She turned away from him, and he started to reach out, thought he would snag her sleeve, keep her there until he could figure out some way to apologize without actually saying he was sorry. But then she spun back and glared at him through her watery eyes. She muttered something. He only caught part of it. She said retard, and then something about knowing how to read. But what he heard was more than enough. He felt a sudden, almost painful coldness spreading across his chest. Open your mouth one more time, and I'll yank that pin right out of your tongue, you little bitch. Kensington's eyes dulled with fury. There was the Kensington he was used to. Then she was moving, her short, thick legs carrying her around the counter and along the far wall towards the back of the store. A sour, sick feeling came over him, mingled with a sudden irritability. She was heading for the office, and Mrs. Badia running to tell on him. He decided he was going on break, grabbed his army jacket and shoved through the plexiglass doors. He lit an American spirit and stood against the stucco wall outside, shoulders hunched. He smoked and shivered, glaring across the street in the direction of Miller's hardware. Wyatt watched Mrs. Prezar swing her station wagon into Miller's parking lot, her two boys in the car with her. Mrs. Prezar lived at the end of his street in a house the color of a strawberry milkshake. He had mowed her lawn, not any time recently, but a few years ago, back when he mowed people's lawns. Mrs. Prezar got out and moved briskly towards the doors of the hardware. She left the car running. Her face was thick and heavily made up, but not bad-looking. There's something about her mouth. She had a plump, sexy underlip that Wyatt had always liked. Her expression as she went inside was a robotic blank. She left the boy in the front seat and another in the back, strapped into a baby seat. The boy in front, his name was Baxter, Wyatt didn't know why he remembered that, was skinny and long, had a delicate build that must have come to him by way of his father. From where Wyatt was standing, he couldn't see much of the one in the baby seat, just a thatch of dark hair and a pair of chubby, waving hands. As soon as Mrs. Prezar slipped into the store, the older boy, Baxter, screwed himself around to look into the back. He had a Twizzler in one hand, and he held it out for his baby brother. When his brother reached for it, though, Baxter jerked it out of reach. Then he held it out again. When his brother refused to be goaded into making a second grab, Baxter swatted him with it. The game continued along these lines for a while until Baxter stopped to unwrap the Twizzler and pop one end into his mouth for a lazy taste. He had on a Twin City pizza cap. Wyatt's old team. Wyatt tried to figure if Baxter could be old enough to play in Little League. Didn't seem it, but maybe they let them in younger now. Wyatt had good memories of Little League. In Wyatt's last year with Twin City, he almost set a league record for stolen bases. It was one of the few moments in his life when he had known for sure that he was better at something than anyone else his age. By the end of the season, he had nine steals total and had only been caught once. A doughy-faced left-handed pitcher got him leading off first before Wyatt had a chance to get his feet under him, and all at once he was racing back and forth in the middle of a rundown while the first baseman and second baseman closed in from either side, softly lobbing the ball back and forth between them. Wyatt had tried, at the end, to burst for a second, hoping to drop and slide in under the tag. 
but almost as soon as he made his decision, he knew it was the wrong one, and a feeling of hopelessness, of racing towards the inescapable, had come over him. The second baseman, a kid Wyatt knew, Treat Rendell, the star of the other team, was planted right in the way, waiting for him with his feet spread apart, and for the first time Wyatt could ever remember, it seemed that no matter how fast he ran, he was getting no closer to where he was headed. He didn't actually remember being called out, only running. And the way Treat Rendell had been there in his path, waiting with his eyes narrowed to slits. That was almost the end of the season, and Wyatt was hitless his last two games, missed the record by two stolen bases. He never got a chance to find out what he could do in high school. He didn't play in a single game, was always on academic or disciplinary probation. Midway through his junior year, he was diagnosed with a reading disability.